HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Castor and Pollux, maker of America's number one organic pet food, Organics. Look for their newest line, Pristine, the only complete line of pet food made with responsibly sourced ingredients. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org slash pets. My name is Hannah Forden. I'm the membership coordinator at Heritage Radio Network, but even before I joined the team, I loved listening to HRN during my subway commute. It made the time go quickly and left me feeling inspired for the day ahead. HRN listeners tune in from all over the world, but there are a few traits that we all have in common, no matter where we listen from. A curious palate, the fierceness to make a difference, and a hunger for lifelong learning about the culinary world. As you know, Heritage Radio Network is a listener-supported nonprofit. To deliver the most ambitious, entertaining, and of-the-moment stories in 2018, we need your help. We need to raise $150,000 by December 31st to accomplish these goals and to keep your favorite shows on the air. Together, we can make this HRN's most exciting, impactful, and delicious year yet. Become a member by donating today. Join us at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate, and you'll immediately start enjoying benefits such as VIP invitations to HRN events, where you will mix and mingle with your favorite hosts. Memberships also make a perfect holiday gift for all the foodies in your life. This year, why not give the gift of food radio? You'll hear your generosity in action for the year to come. Help keep our lights on and our mics hot by pledging your support today at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Brooklyn Kitchen. Join me every Wednesday as I talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. Today is the last episode of Feast Your Ears for this season, the last show of 2017. Happy holidays, everybody. I hope you have a, a wonderful uh, you know, holiday season, whether you're busy selling stuff or whether you get to take some time off because it's your slow season. Today is episode 92 of Feast Your Ears, and I have a, a pre-taped interview that I did a few days ago with Adam Geringer Dunn, uh, who is one of the owners of Greenpoint Fish and Lobster in Greenpoint. So if you happen to live in Greenpoint or Long Island City, I hope you've frequented 
their restaurant and fish markets. Uh, and if not, then you'll get to hear all about that shortly. I uh, wanted to mention that this time of year, I always cook, uh, always make Christmas cookies with my Jewish family. And uh, you can hear more about that if you tune back and you go onto iTunes or Stitcher or HeritageRadioNetwork.org. And you can listen to episode number 13 of Feast Your Ears and hear an interview with my aunt about why, as a Jewish family, we make Christmas cookies. So tune in and uh, enjoy my interview with Adam. All right, so introduce yourself, please. My name is Adam Geringer Dunn. I'm one of the co-owners of Greenpoint Fish and Lobster Company. And what does that mean? So you own Greenpoint Fish and Lobster. What is Greenpoint Fish and Lobster Company? Greenpoint Fish and Lobster Company is now somewhat of an amorphous business. <laughs> uh, it started as it started with me and my business partner Vinnie Milburn. Um, we we started a we wanted to have a seafood market where you could come in and get fish that you knew where it came from. Um, domestic, wild-caught seafood, locally sourced preferably. Um, and we figured if we're going to have a fish market or seafood market, we need to be moving product. Uh, that's the key. You got to keep it fresh, keep things moving. Yeah, especially with fish. Especially with fish. And so we figured at first we're like, oh, we should have like maybe four four little seats. We can do lobster rolls, we can do chowder, and fish sandwich, something basic. And then you start looking into the realities of a brick-and-mortar business in New York and you say, well, we probably need more than four seats. And if we're going to have more than four seats, you probably want to sell some alcohol. And before you know it, we've got 30 seats and it's a restaurant and a market. <laughs> and um, so it started like that in late July, 2014. We got the doors open on that location. And then about, so it's almost uh, about three and a half years on that. And then a year and a half ago, we we opened a warehouse, uh, a wholesale facility for selling seafood to other restaurants and also just for our own restaurant and market. Um, we found ourselves in the original location. We were cutting about 400 pounds of fish a morning in a space about the size of this table, which I know you can't see on the radio. Well, for, for those of you that have been <laughs> to Greenpoint Fish and Lobster, you know that the space on Nassau Avenue is tiny. Um, if you were, I guess the comparison that I would make to people at home, it would be like if you were cutting 400 pounds of fish a day in your home kitchen. Yes. Um, and we, within about two weeks of having that first restaurant location, we realized this was not uh, practical. Yeah. And so the goal was to find another space to cut all this fish. So we opened that warehouse in Long Island City, um, and it's we've got fish cutting rooms, processing rooms, sorting, and and uh, that's become the wholesale hub. And then uh, two, door, two blocks over, we found a great little small retail foot storefront and we made another market in there that's just a just a market no restaurant we do sell chowder and lobster rolls and we'll shut clams and oysters and things like that to go um, and some prepared like ready to cook stuff you just pop in the oven um, but that's just a seafood retail seafood market there um, and then I teach classes seafood oyster shucking classes fish 101 fish cooking fish butchery shellfish cooking all kinds of stuff yeah um, we do catering and things like that so I remember I met you and Vinny when you guys had just sort of were, were starting to conceptualize the business and put it together and I love the idea because I having lived in New York I mean it always seemed weird to me that there were no good fish markets in New York and that's I mean I say that it's not totally true there are some okay fish markets in New York but in but, but this not- neighborhood specifically in Williamsburg and Greenpoint it is very hard to buy fish unless you know how to buy fish yeah, I mean, well, to me, what's crazy is that, and this was 
kind of the impetus behind the whole thing was New York City is the second largest fish market in the world behind Tokyo. Like the right, more the fish, fish, the market, fish yeah. market has more fish coming through it than anywhere else in the world behind Tokyo. And then people, nobody knows where to buy fish. Yeah. Like, totally it, you true. know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> for a city as large as New York yeah. population wise, there really aren't that many places to buy fish. And for a city that where fish was a huge economic driver, it's surrounded where, by water. It's an island. Exactly. And where fishing and where oysters and, I mean, all those things were such huge economic drivers. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And so you have this thing where now here we are in 2017 where, you know, there's Greenpoint Fish and Lobster and there's a couple of other places that are really good for buying fish. That, But unless you know how, what I always used to tell people was if you want good fish, you have to go to the farmer's market. And even then, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I love buying fish in the farmer's market. I love yeah. buying everything at the farmer's market. You can talk to the person. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not the fishermen yeah. specifically with yeah. fish. But, you know, they can at least educate you a little bit about where it came from. But still, if you're not, if you don't know what you're buying, it's still really hard. And, you know, even the farmer's market, like I wouldn't buy fish at the farmer's market in July because it's out in the sun all day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, it's inconvenient. And, and when we were coming in and we were conceptualizing this, there are a number of uh, CSFs community supported sure. fisheries. So yeah. you buy a fish share and you get a certain amount of a certain you know, amount of fish every week, but it would change depending on what's in season and what's caught, which is a really cool concept. But I found that in New York City, I, I never did one myself because I never knew where I would be every Thursday between four and six to pick up the fish. Absolutely. Like, there's just no way. Yeah, New York doesn't operate that doesn't, way. And and then also if I was going away for a weekend or something, like what am I going to do with all this fish? It's not meat that I can put in the freezer. Yep. And I was just thinking like that's, that's, that to me, that was the best concept, but yep. it just wasn't practical in my New yeah. York lifestyle. And so we said, you know, we want to be a place where you can shop at your leisure when you can just drop in when you're ready to cook, when you want to cook same day and you have a selection, you know, still that same concept, super seasonal and fresh and local, but, but it's at your leisure and you can control it and you can buy what you want. And if you know, Hey, I really don't like skate. I really don't like something. You're not stuck with 10 pounds of it every week. Yeah. And you have that's just what's coming in your CSF. Right. So it, we wanted to kind of find uh, the happy medium. And, and uh, so, yeah, so that's, that so did you concept. grow up around fish? Let's see. I actually, my mother hates fish. Um, she just started getting into it. Um, so she never ate fish. My dad loves fish. He'll eat every type of fish, everything. Um, so no, I didn't really grow up eating fish, but I grew up going to Massachusetts, Cape Cod in the summers with my family. Uh, my parents went to school, went to college in the Boston area, and they had a lot of friends who then moved out to the Cape. Uh, and so we grew up going up there all the time. And so I was kind of surrounded by it. Not great. I mean, it was good seafood, but it was all, you know, it's all fried and it's all broiled. Right. Captain's platters and butter, you know, it's heavy. Yeah. Um, but I kind of was getting familiar with it. We'd go fishing all the time on like party boats out there and catching flounder and bluefish and sea robins and all that stuff. And, you know, we, my dad would always bring it home and my mom would go out for a couple hours so he could cook <laughs> it. Um, and, but yeah, so it was that. And then I went to college in in Maine and the school I went to when you, when you for opening, uh, what do you call it? Like when the new students, the freshmen oh, arrive yeah, on yeah. campus, they do a big lobster bake for everybody. And I was like, this is, this is awesome. <laughs> you know? And I started getting really into it. And, um, but the big driver for me with seafood was in high school, I stopped eating meat. I, I didn't eat meat for 13 years. Oh, wow. um, I was into all these environmental activism sure, causes. And, causes. And, and meat is, you know, right. 
well well known and well proven to be like the worst offender yeah. in yeah. terms of resource use. Exactly. So I stopped eating meat, but I was playing a lot of sports. I was concerned about protein intake, so I started kind of forcing myself to learn how to like fish and eat fish. Um, And I was eating it, but then I got to a certain point where I was like, I don't know anything about this fish. And I felt really hypocritical um, eating, blindly eating all this fish, knowing nothing about it. And so that's when I started getting really, that was probably after college, and I moved to New York. I started getting really interested, and I was cooking a lot as a hobby. I just loved cooking, but I wasn't cooking meat. I was only cooking fish and veggies. And, you know, I I was, I remember I was living in Williamsburg and the meat hook, you know, the meat hook, um, right here on 100 Frost Street, um, in the Brooklyn kitchen, I was like, this is the coolest place ever. And they had the big display, the big, you know, the big butcher table. And then you come in, there's all, you know, half a cow on the table and a pig and they're breaking it down. And I was like, this is, this is awesome. But I didn't eat any of it. And I was like, why? (laughs) And and there's that. And there's like, the farmer's markets were amazing. And there's breweries and wineries and distilleries and all this artisanal craft food. And and the only fish option was the was a market in Williamsburg that um, I never felt comfortable at. Yeah. Um, I don't want to, you know, she'll go no, no, I mean, name, I, yeah. nameless. So. I mean, I, I, I totally, I mean, I, I grew up eating a lot of fish. My dad worked in the fish market for years. We used to go to the, you know, we used to take the bluefish that I caught with friends and we'd go to the smokehouse and the mm-hmm. guys would smoke them for us. And I always, you know, for years, I mean, until, until you guys opened Greenpoint Fish and Lobster, I always felt like, you know, as someone who knew, felt like I knew a lot about fish and felt like I knew enough to go in and know it was fresh and know what it was and know how to buy it, I felt like almost all my options in New York were this kind of thing where, like, you really had to know, and even then, like, even if you asked the right questions, you still might not get the right. real answer. Right. I found that some of these old school places, you'd go in and they'd size you up. You know, mm-hmm. they'd say, like, does this guy know what he's doing? Does he know, what he, does he know anything about fish? And they'd steer you. If you didn't, you're getting hosed. And right. they'd steer you to the stuff that had to go and it was old. And, and um, you know, I found that there were some decent places in Manhattan. But from where I was in, in Williamsburg, it was, a, you know, it was a, at least a three-hour round trip. You know, sure. be an hour on the subway there. I'd yep. try to shop for a little bit. Yep. And then come home. And it was, it was crazy. Was like, how, how – there's everything else. And why is there nowhere to get good fish yeah. in North Brooklyn, which yep. – was like a foodie, you know, haven. Um, to be fair, I think it's yeah. worth pointing out sure. that heavy Catholic population in North Brooklyn mm-hmm. fish on Fridays. So you know, there were businesses I remember that would have the fish out on the street under ice on Fridays only, which is to me was a very interesting <laughs> shopping experience. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, but now you don't even see that. You only see that on Christmas. Oh, interesting. I, didn't I, don't, see that. I don't live in Greenpoint anymore. So Greenpoint, that only happens. The week leading up to Christmas. Got it. Um, and that stuff is gnarly. Terrifying. <laughs> uh, like, like, it's funny. I mean, there's a tradition. <laughs> you heard it here from someone who's Sorry. in the fish business. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's you know, they, they, it's pretty awesome. It's a spectacle. It's amazing, really. Yeah. Um, they, some of these places build these these crates, and they line them with tarps, and they fill, fill it with water. And put like live ho- fish Like New York City, like tap water, yeah. and the hoses, and they put live carp into the fish, and people line up, <laughs> and they pick out which live fish they want. And they'll either take it home live, and I've heard they put them in the bathtub, and they'll keep it alive until yeah. Christmas, or they have the guys hack them apart. And these guys, you know, the guys who are, like, stocking the veggies and fruit and bodegas, and they are, they take take the, the fish out, and they, they're wearing yellow rubber, 
like oh, they're certain, yeah, they're yeah, yeah, the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they and they just these big cleavers, and they're just hacking these fish into pieces, and the blood's going everywhere. Oh, There's blood yeah. running down the sidewalk, and it's and people come to our market because we're right next door, and they come in and they say, "Do you guys sell any carp?" And we're like, nah, "We leave it to the pros." Yeah, like, we like it's just not it's just we, it's not our our game. Um, but beyond that, there really isn't much much fish sold. Yeah, no, there's not. Um, um, what's your uh, What's your favorite fish to eat? Favorite fish to eat. I know it's like asking what your who your favorite kid is. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Like right now, so right now it's December. Like what's the what's good in December? I mean, scallops are awesome right, right. now. You know, yeah. Bay scallops, sea scallops are great right now. Um, depends. We in the winter we tend to go. We source a lot of fish out of the southeast in the winter. Um, we call ourselves snowbirds, so we start looking for fish in the Carolinas yeah. and Florida. Well, because a lot of the boats in the Northeast aren't, yeah. aren't out, right? Aren't out, it's not, and there's no season, there's nothing to fish, right, really. Right, right. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, like, right now, we get some... I, it's exciting, because we get all this <laughs> kind of tropical-looking fish, and it makes me, like, in the winter, it's kind of nice. It's sort of like having citrus, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the citrus yeah, season exactly. is technically winter, so, exactly. like, right now, it's time for tangerines and setsumas and all that stuff. Exactly. Um, my favorite right now out of Florida, um, or out of the Southeast, is a fish called hogfish. Um, I became obsessed with hogfish. I didn't know anything about. It. I didn't know it existed. Yeah, I never heard of it. I don't know anything about it um, until we opened the business and and Vinny started buying all this bizarre fish I'd never seen before. Um, but hogfish blew my mind. It is the color is the most. It's the most white flesh I've ever. It looks like snow. It's huh. crazy. Um, it is sweet. You can eat it raw. Like you could just take a fillet and just eat the whole thing raw. It wow. is the texture is awesome. It sears. You can do it raw crudo. How can, big are they? Um, depends. We've seen them in like one and a half, two pound range, but we've also seen them four pounds, five pounds, six pounds. They get big, but uh, it's a beautiful fish and just really, really good eating. Um, I think in Florida, they know they're really good eating. Up here, no one's ever heard of them. But yeah. we get customers that come in who are, are transplants, you know, from Florida. They're like, oh my God, you have hogfish. You know, oh, they, cool. freak, they freak out, yeah. um, which is exciting. But I mean, the other day I, I had... Um, we had some bluefish here. Um, we did a, did a class um, oh, right. with you guys. Yeah. And uh, the bluefish, we had some uh, smaller bluefish and some of the freshest bluefish I've ever seen. And it was, it was like translucent and this great shine on it. And, and when they're like, when bluefish is fresh and they're the smaller guys in particular, it's amazing raw. The texture is amazing. It's kind of buttery, almost like a Spanish mackerel. Yeah. Like it kind of, that's awesome. I also just like I like shellfish in the winter though oysters and clams are at their yeah, are at their too. peak right yeah. now so yeah absolutely so I, I didn't really answer that question no that's at fine. All. it's all good I said everything so <laughs> <laughs> there's you know th- there's a lot of stuff and I'm sure if any if anybody was to go online right now and do a Google search you would discover you know tips for buying fish and uh, you know every every food magazine every food website probably does a little rundown of like our top tips for buying fish but. As someone who has spent sort of twenty four seven around fish in the mm-hmm. last few years, like what what do you tell people? Like when you teach a class, yeah. What do you tell people in the class? Because my my sense has always been for years. I mean, at the Brooklyn Kitchen, we hosted a couple of the CSFs yeah. before there were good fish around. People would ask me all the time, "Where do you buy fish around here?" And I would always say, "Do you know how to buy fish? You know, mm-hmm. do you know what you're looking for?" And you know, a lot of people I feel like really they don't they don't dislike fish. But maybe they didn't grow up eating it, and so they don't know how to cook it, and they don't know how to buy it. So yeah. what do you like? What do you, what what are the most important things people can? I know? say, look for a place that's busy. Look for a busy market, just like a restaurant. Like a restaurant, you yeah. know, they're moving product, and if somebody else 
if other people are buying fish there, it's probably a good sign. It's a great tip. You know? Um, they're doing something right. You know? Um, that's kind of a basic one. Uh, and then on top of that, the staff should be really friendly. And sh- they should want to talk to you. And they should not be hesitant to answer questions. And if you come in and say, hey, I want to buy a piece of fish, but I don't know what to buy, they should ask you some questions and you should be able to go back and forth and have kind of a, have a rapport with them. Um, I've been to fish markets where they're like, what do you want? You know, and they're like, Get, you know, keep them, keep them moving, keep them moving. And fish isn't one of those things that you really should rush people on and people, you know, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of questions, you know, people come in and say, I want to buy fish, but I don't, I don't know what to buy. And I'll start by saying, okay, how are you going to cook it? Yeah. Are you going to cook in the oven? Are you going to cook on the stove? Are you going to fry it? Um, I don't know. Right? They say, I don't know. So, well, do you know what you like? What have you had before that you like or what have you had before that you don't like? Yeah. And you can start narrowing it down. Oh, you like salmon? You might like some full-flavored fish. You might like bluefish. You might like mackerel. You might like, you know. Or I only like flounder. Okay. So you look for plain, flaky, white fish. Or I like cod. Okay. Well, we've got hake and pollock and haddock. And you can start narrowing it down. But it takes a minute. You have to be able to take the time with a customer yeah. to have that conversation and be willing to. Well, so. what's interesting is I think that people often... Like when they when they go to shop somewhere, right? They're like, "Oh, I'm gonna go get a steak for dinner," mm-hmm. right? They know what they're going for. They know right. that they're not going into the butcher shop to buy ground beef, right. or they're not going into the produce market. Like they're like, "Oh, I'm gonna make eggplant parmesan." Like they know what they need. <laughs> and in a fish market, I feel yeah. like because people don't necessarily have the comfort level with yep. it, yep. they come in without really knowing. Or I would imagine they come in with a recipe in yep. hand, yep. where they're like, "This recipe says that I need four and a quarter pounds." of halibut yeah well yeah people come in and they don't know what they can inter- interchange for you know what fish yeah. so they'll come in and say i've got this recipe for cod you know and say, like, well we don't you know we're not carrying cod right now but we've got hake pollock haddock cook of the same treat the same you know same family yeah and like nope nope my recipe says cod can't I'll use anything else else. go somewhere else I'm like, man you know yeah. it's, it's nuts but <laughs> it's like if you went into if you went to a, a butcher shop and you said i need a you know i need a, a ribeye if, you, if they didn't have a ribeye, you're going to leave with something else, another yeah, type of steak, totally. and be like, great, yep. cool, it's yeah. steak, steak is steak, you know? Yeah. Um, but people don't have that, that, people aren't willing, you know, fish is scary for a lot of people, and so it's hard for them to feel comfortable buying something that's not what it says on the piece of paper, yeah. you know, on the recipe. So, um, it's, so there's a lot of education involved, and so the, the best places to buy fish are places that are willing to teach you and yeah. understand that education is part of it, and education will bring you back more. Yeah. So the more you empower people and they feel comfortable buying fish, the more your cust- you more customers you have, and you know it kind of it spreads. So, um, so yeah, look for develop a relationship. I love having customers that can come in and I know exactly what they're looking for. You know, and I, hey, you're looking for this today, or you know, you're gonna change it up, and you kind of have that relationship. And I always wanted that. I wanted to. I thought of our place as like a great cheesemonger. You'd go in and say, hey, I'm having a party. You know, uh, looking for some cheddar, and they'd say, well what do you think about like smoked Gouda, you know, yeah. or something like, yeah. you're like, Oh, sure. And here's try a piece or whatever. Right. And like, cool. Awesome. And you kind of have that, that back and forth. And I wanted to make sure that was a real part of our, of yeah. our business. This episode is brought to you by Castor and Pollux, maker of America's number one organic pet food organics. You put a lot of care and thought into what you eat. After all, you're a food radio listener. That thoughtfulness goes hand in paw with how you feed your pets. Purposeful pet food doesn't happen by accident. 
Castor and Pollock scours the earth to carefully select the best organic and responsibly sourced ingredients. New Pristine from Castor and Pollux is the only complete line of pet food made with ingredients that are responsibly raised, caught, or grown. Feed your dog or cat the new standard, like grass-fed beef, wild-caught fish, and vegetables grown without synthetic fertilizers or chemical pesticides. Pristine from Castor and Pollux. Purposeful pet food. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org slash pets. Welcome back to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum. Thanks for tuning in to my final episode of 2017. Uh, now we'll get back into the interview that I recorded with Adam Geringer Dunn from Greenpoint Fish and Lobster. Fish is one of the only readily available proteins that we get where a large percentage of what we consume is wild. Mm-hmm. Probably less than people think, mm-hmm. actually, right? But a lot of it is still is still wild which means it could be a limited resource if it's not well-managed. Yes. So I'm, I'm curious to know, you know, as someone who didn't eat meat for 13 years um, because of the environmental yep. impacts of yep. that, yep. Um, you know, what are the, you know, I mean, what are the, I guess, as a fishmonger, what are the best things that people can be consuming and what are the ones that you would really steer people away from for those reasons? I mean, as, as someone who's loved fish for a long time, obviously, you know, I, it, I hate that there are some fishes that I can't get anymore. I mean, you and I have had this conversation yep. Yep. outside of this interview about, you know, Maine pink shrimp, that that is a, that is a fish that is unlikely that my children will ever taste. But when I was a kid in the seventies and eighties, they were super abundant and then they got overfished and now they're basically gone. Yeah. Um, so I would say the big thing overall is diversify what you eat. Mm. That's what I tell people. Diversify what you eat. If you're only eating salmon, you're only eating tuna or you're only eating salmon and tuna, <laughs> you're going to put a tremendous <laughs> amount of pressure on those stocks, those wild stocks. So it's like thinking about your own carbon footprint. Yeah, food, exactly. Right? Like, but, but diversify. So, um, Try different things. Be willing to try different things. Try, you know, if you're, you know, have haddock one day and then try a mackerel the next day or salmon, you know, but just mix it up. And when we have customers though that come in and they only want the same thing and we yeah. try and, I, and, you know, I'll say things like, like anytime you buy something other than halibut or tuna, you're doing a good thing because <laughs> that means you're, you know, it's one less, you know, like you're, you're spreading, yeah, your, your carbon footprint really. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's one thing and that goes a long way. Um, it's tough, you know, the, the, the poke trend in the city, yeah. you know, that kind of stresses me out. Um, I get that it's a, it's a popular thing. I, I love sure, it. It's delicious. delicious. Yeah. Raw fish, um, but it, rice, but it works awesome. in Hawaii because they mon- they manage their tuna populations really well and their yeah. fish just in general, the, the resources in Hawaii, kind of like Alaska are managed really, really well and really well protected. It doesn't really translate. Interesting that those were the into- last two states. Yeah. yeah, and they're like we, and, and they're also very they watch far the away. rest of us fuck it up. Yeah, but they're also but they're also very far away from the man. Yeah. So they're on their own. Yeah. So they're like, if we don't protect these resources, we're we're, we're out of luck. Yeah. So, um, but doesn't necessarily translate to the U.S. You have way more people. I mean, you get poke in Hawaii in a gas station, you sure. know, and it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and it's probably because the guy around the corner caught a whole bunch of big eye right. tuna or ahi, and so you know chop it up and right made, there you know, and there it is yeah. but in the states when you try to convert you know make it this giant well machine, I, mean, you, I mean i drove cross country i mean in the summer and like you see you know red lobster billboards 
right? So, I mean, I don't think they're becoming a sponsor of Heritage Radio anytime yeah. soon. Like, you see billboards and it's like, you know, endless shrimp platter or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, yeah no, and, and it's those things when, it, and when you, I mean, for our concept, because we thought about this, we, we really don't have shrimp and tuna and salmon on the menu in, in the restaurant at all. Because we know if we did, that's all people would buy. Yeah, um, We might do a special every once in a while and mix it in, but it's not something you really see. And, and yeah, I mean, that was a, that was a, there was a conscious decision, you know. Um, and we don't carry tuna in the market all that often because, again, if we always carried it, people are always going to buy it. Yeah. And if we want to, we just don't feel great about it. We want to encourage Also, I mean, is it things. hard now to find tuna that you guys, that sort of passes your litmus test no, there's for a, there's a lot of tuna around. quality it's, and, and, like, how it's... Caught? It's seasonal, so okay. you can get you know in when there's tuna you know when it's tuna season in the Northeast, um, there's a lot of tuna around. You can also get tuna down in, in Louisiana and some other areas a lot, but um, you know we try to you know we we try to just we don't always want to carry it. We just don't you know yeah. it's it's a great fish. It's it's delicious, and we want people to learn about it, and and we also want people to appreciate it. Yeah. You know, it's a seasonal like a seasonal product, like right. You know. I'm not buying strawberries right now. I'm not buying tomatoes yeah. right now. But those satsumas that I ate this morning were delicious. Yeah, but you weren't eating those in August. Nope. Right? So you kind of, we want people to kind of get in the habit of understanding. Again, it's a wild product. It's not farmed. Yeah. It's, you know, there's not cattle ranches. You know, well, they're <laughs> ranching tuna. I don't know what they're doing now. But, um, but you know, just trying to, so yeah, diversify where you're eating. Um, and then, what else was it? Um, I always say, you know, to eat domestic and wild caught seafood. Try to know yeah. something about where it's coming from. You know, try try well, to. What about catching it yourself? I mean, so yeah, that you know, so you you're a fisherman. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, you know, there, there's this not not very good, but well, I, I try. I enjoy. I mean, it. that's I, why they call it fishing, yeah, not, not catching. catching right? Exactly. That's yeah, the yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I we we've talked about you know about urban urban angling yeah, before, yeah. and it's something I've never really had the time to kind of get into, but I would like to. Um, so tell me a little bit about that. So like there, there is this whole group of people who fish in New York City. Yeah, right? like I mean, there's there's a whole city. there's well there's a whole community um, and population that that fish in because New York City is surrounded by water. There's rivers and canals, and you know there's and the East River in particular in the Hudson. There's a you know huge biomass of fish come through. Then they migrate south. They come through and, and then north also. They come through the river. Um, and most, a lot of the fishing, like people that I go fishing with primarily are just recreational. They're catch and release. They're just, just for fun. Um, but there's a huge portion, or I don't say huge, but there's definitely a significant portion of a number of people that are fishing subsistently, you know, like they're fishing, like feeding their families and, um, throughout, you know, the rockways are full of guys fishing queen all over, you know, yeah. I mean, everywhere, anywhere there's a great, you know, pier or something, people are fishing and a lot of them are yeah. catching and keeping it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's some concerns about some fish and what's building up in the system, you know, in their bodies sure. and some, yeah, the waterways around New York are not, not, not pristine. I mean, there's a reason you can't catch, you know, commercially catch fish and sell it yeah. in a restaurant, you know, at yeah. New York city waters. There's, yeah. there's a, Proximity, you know, you have yeah. to be certain, certain, certain number of miles outside but New York I, City. But I've also read that I mean, some of those bigger fish. You're talking about something like a striped bass. I mean, you know, that, I've, eaten, I've eaten them. Well, sure. Yeah. And, and my point is, like, those fish are big enough that, like, yesterday that fish could have been in Montauk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they migrate yes. incredible distances. So, yeah. like, or the fish that got caught commercially off Long yeah. Island could have been in the East River yesterday. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, there's, you know. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's. I'm, it's not like the fish is swimming in circles in the no, East River. Not the big migrating. You know, those big fish. No. Um, but 
Yeah, I don't know. It's I've, I've definitely yeah. We've there was a fishing derby a number of years ago. Like right yeah. before we opened our restaurant, we were still getting things going. We participated in a derby, and like in the winning catch got got you know filleted and put into a chowder, and everybody had a lot of fun with it. Nice. Um, but I I wouldn't eat from it regularly, but a lot yeah. of people do, and that's and it's a real it's a real thing. I mean, there's still well because there there is something nice about that, right? I mean, it, one of the things I've always loved about fishing is, you know, I grew up going to Maine in the summers as a kid, and by the time I was, like, six or seven years old, I would get up before everybody else in the house at sunrise, and I'd walk down to the pier, and I'd fish, and I'd catch mackerel, and I'd bring them home, and I'd gut them and clean them and cook them for myself. And for me, I have such a clear memory of that being this, like, initial moment of being, like, self-sustaining. Yeah. That, like, as, like, a seven-year-old, yeah. I could take care of breakfast and, like, mom and dad would get up and be making coffee and I'd be like, yep, already had breakfast. Yeah. Did it myself. No, it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling. And that's, um, I think that's, it's, um, it's like a nostalgia. I don't know. There's something. It's like yeah. very pr- primal almost, sure, you know, and, and we're so disconnected from it, especially in the city. Um, but there are people, like I said, there are people who are actually doing that in the city, yeah. but, um, it's such a great feeling. Well, and there's boats and, out of Sheepshead Bay. Right? Yeah. I mean, you absolutely. Can go yeah, 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 yeah. They're catching black sea bass yeah. and blackfish. And you had mentioned to me an anecdote about going out on a boat and catching fish. Yeah. Well, this, this is kind of the thing. Like I, so I used to grow up, well, we'd go and spend summers in Cape Cod as a family. We used to go out on a boat. Um, I remember the boat was called the Albatross, and it was out of... It's this amazing boat, you know. Actually, it's funny, so I... I mean, albatrosses are supposed to be lucky birds at sea, right? But don't you call something that's, like, kind of like a lemon an albatross, right? Isn't that the, like... I don't, I don't, actually, I don't know. I think, I think albatrosses as a bird are supposed... I think they're <laughs> supposed to be good luck to, to boats, because I think they come really far out, but oh. they don't... But then they come back to shore. But they're still close enough to shore. Yeah, so but like you, yeah. you see an albatross, but you, before you're not you see land. From, you're not right? that far from I think, land. I think okay. that's the deal. But I feel like in the vernacular, an albatross is something that's like kind of like <laughs> not, you know, kind of like not so good. It's kind of like this boat, I think. Yeah. Um, it was a well-worn <laughs> boat. Um, but yeah, so we, I remember we'd go out and I grew up, you know, fishing out all the time. We'd catch all these, you know, flounder and sea robins, which you'd always have to, the captain say, throw the sea robins back, throw the skate back. Never kept any of it. You catch some bluefish, we'd keep. Because they, they were trash fish? They're trash fish, yeah. yeah. Don't bother. Don't touch them. they got spines. They're going to just, just throw them overboard. Don't worry about them. Um, oh, they're so delicious. They are. We sell, <laughs> we sell a lot of them. We sell yeah. a lot of both, the skate and NC Robbins now. Um, but, yeah, so I grew up going on that boat. And then a couple, was about, I don't know, this past summer I went out one day on my, uh, I just had this craving to go back out on the boat. I went out, got up early, got up to the boat. It was like fog, right, you know, fog on the water. Get on the boat. It's funny. I remember the boat being so much bigger. Yeah. <laughs> I've been in years, and the boat was like, it seemed really same small. Same boat? Same boat. Yeah, same boat. Um, but it seemed much smaller. Yeah. It just got a lot bigger. Um, and we went out, and it was, it was like a perfect day. We were going out. You couldn't see, you know, 50 feet in front of you. It was just fog, and but glass. Water was like glass. And went out. We are in Cape Cod Bay anchor down everyone starts fishing and I remember people were catching tons of fish people were catching all this flounder and you know fathers and sons and uncles and everyone's you know having a great time catching fish I caught I caught one fish <laughs> um, it was like really sad I think I went out I probably was wearing like some like big heavy like fishing boots or something and like but I yeah. caught I was terrible I couldn't catch anything everybody's yeah. catching around yeah here to get uh, yeah and um, the fish knew yeah exactly I, I it was karma I've, I've yeah. sold and killed enough right, fish right. in my life so <laughs> 
Um, the sea was not letting me have any that day. But but I remember, so we were, the people were catching all this fish. The people were catching eight fish, ten fish, twelve fish apiece. And the guys are, are cutting everything. And they just, there was so much fish being caught on the boat. And all of a sudden, some the guy who had caught the most fish, these dad and son, were older. And they said, so what do we do with it? And I was like, oh, oh, man. I had this, like, my heart sunk. You know? right. And I was just like, wait, there's all this fish dead on the boat. Right. You have no plan. You have no, you know, it was just like, they just came out for an activity. Just yeah. like, but these guys also had like real rods and they were like brought their own gear yeah. and they were catching all this fish, but they, they don't cook fish. They don't know what to do with it. Uh. And they don't. And, and, and the kids are like 16 year old mates, you know, are flying the fish. We're like, I don't know. We don't need it. We don't they need, don't need it either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and it, it was just this heartbreaking moment. And, and then I think the captain came over. He's like, Oh, let's ask the captain. The captain comes over. He's like, I don't know bread it and fry it. I don't know, right? And, you know, but it was like, <laughs> but it was just everybody around me. Nobody had any idea what to do. No idea. And, and it was, and it was, and me, I was, I was so excited to catch a fish. I remember I, I was like, <laughs> so it's so fresh. I mean, there's nothing better yeah. than catching a fish, um, uh, on the spot and bringing it home. It's, it's amazing. And I want, I remember in my head, I'm like, all right, I'm going to catch a flounder. If I catch a flounder, I'm going to roast it whole. Right, you were, you were planning. I had a whole plan. Six steps yeah, ahead for yeah. any kind of fish. Yeah, that if you I catch too many, I'm gonna do this with this one. Do yeah. this with this one. Yeah. And I remember, and even my fish got caught, and, or I caught it, and the guys went to they were gonna clean it for me. And I was like, hey, can you mind just keeping it whole? And can you just just scale and, and gut it and keep it whole? And the guys, the kids were like, we don't we don't have a scaler. We just we just fillet everything. We take the skin off, and that's just what we we do. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. You know, like the whole, my whole world is fantasy. Yeah. Of like, cause you had plants for that flounder. Uh, that you yeah, were, yeah, yeah, yeah. What you were going to do it. And you just needed it. And, and, um, and, and so my, yeah, this, this, this fantasy evaporated in front, in front of me. Wow. So they were just like, they were machines. Ham fistedly. Yeah. Filleting yeah, yeah. Skin, and off, skin off, skin off, throw the skin in the water. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Wow. And, and it, it was just so, to me, I was just like, so bummed. I was yeah. like, man, like there's such opportunity on this boat, like, you know, all this stuff. And yeah, it was sad. And the seagulls, of course, are like going bananas out the back because all sure. the skins and all the guts are going over the side and frames. Um, and, uh, yeah. And it just, I just kind of clicked and it had this revelation that just nobody knows anything about fish yeah. <laughs> and, and it was sad. And, and that's kind of why I, I love teaching the, you know, teaching the classes because yeah. kind of, I try to. You know, I, w- I just want people to know more about it and feel more comfortable doing it. And and I, I was saying, I wish I wanted to like write recipes for that boat. Be like, hey, give out recipe cards, yeah, give out recipe sheets, totally. give out anything. You know, um, and, but and get a scaler for God's sake. Yeah, only yeah. like two bucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but just, just you know, just there's there's this huge disconnect between you know just bringing you know that full circle, right? This is a, such a great opportunity for people to catch something and have that experience, and then take it home and cook it and yeah. learn about it. And it was still like you caught it, and then you expect the restaurant to just make it for you, yeah. you know. And 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 there's got to be a, somebody's got to, yeah. We got to work on connecting, yeah. connecting that, and closing that gap. And um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That, that one stuck with me though. That's I'll, I'll never forget that one. That was uh, yeah. so I'm working toward fixing that. Awesome. Well, we're just about out of time, but uh, I wanted to make sure that people know where to find Greenpoint Fish. So it's greenpointfish.com. Pretty easy to greenpointfish.com. Right? Correct. Uh, at Greenpoint Fish on Twitter, Instagram, that yep. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and you are at Adam underscore GD. Correct. Um, so people can keep up with you. And then, yeah, we've got, so we've got the market and restaurant. It's in one location on 114 Nassau Avenue in Greenpoint, just off the 
uh, Greenpoint or the Nassau G train, and then we've got our standalone market in Long Island City, Queens, on 48th Ave between Fifth Street and Vernon Boulevard, just off the uh, Vernon Vernon Jackson Seven train and the 21st Street G train. Awesome, yeah. and uh, and if you're listening and if you're a restaurant, you can also reach out to them for wholesale. Yeah, yeah. Um, sales at greenpointfish.com ask for Vinny and Jacob (laughs) (laughs) alright awesome well Adam thanks so much for talking with me yeah thanks for having me thanks everyone for listening to Feast Your Ears today uh, and every Wednesday big thank you to David Tattashore for engineering this show every week you can find Feast Your Ears as well as lots of other great shows on iTunes Stitcher or heritageradionetwork.org I encourage everyone in this season of giving to go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart in the corner and donate something to us. We are a nonprofit here at Heritage Radio Network, and in order to keep Feast Your Ears coming to you every week, along with the 35 other shows and longer format miniseries like our Modernist Breadcrumbs, uh, we need to raise about $150,000 by December 31st of 2017. So if you're out there, giant donor, and if you have a giant check in your pocket actually can be a really small check for a giant amount however you want to do it uh we'd love to have you write one huge check but more likely i would love to have everyone who hears this if everybody became a member you get great swag you get t-shirts you get to come to member events you get to hang out with me and jimmy carboni and other hosts here at heritage radio network so you know do us a favor and you know keep keep the lights on here and keep me talking to you every wednesday by becoming a member and if you like the show, please take a moment to like it on iTunes. You can always reach me via email, harry at thebrooklynkitchen.com. You can follow me on social media at The Foodballer. Talk to you next year. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.